Um, I'm not going to tell you I stayed awake last night because I'm still on Israel time, but I'm proud of the Hawks. And uh, I'll tell you, we had some people on our Israel trip that were so into what was going on over the last two weeks. They were getting up in the middle of the night because it was like two in the morning our time and watching the Hawks. It's been a fun ride and we're excited to see what happens. We have been to the Holy Land. It's hard to believe I've been to Israel and back since I saw you last. That's where we were last weekend. Uh, this week I am going to Duckland. I was in the Holy Land this week. I'm going to Duckland on Tuesday. I go down to the Duck Commander Warehouse to interview Willie and Alan and Jeff for Father's Day. Okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about, excited. I'm going to do the interview down there. I think it's going to be fun. I couldn't get any of them to come for Father's Day, so I'm going to go down there. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Duck Dynasty is the number one reality show on TV. It's on A&E. You need to watch it at least one episode this week so that you get the whole camo thing and everything that's going on uh, down that we're going to do for Father's Day. That's going to be Father's Day. And don't forget, next weekend, uh, you might want to come on Saturday because we've got two on Saturday, 345 and 545, like we did back in the regular season. And we've got the car show and the bike show and all that stuff going on. Uh, so don't forget that. But it's going to be awesome. And um, you've got to understand, uh, there's some contractual things with A&E that mean that we're probably not going to be able to maybe make copies of it for you to get a DVD. So you need to make an effort to get here for Father's Day because we might not be able to show it to you because of A&E stuff uh, after that. So get here, get to the Orland campus, get to the Lockport campus, uh, make it happen, okay, because it's going to be awesome. Uh, my son-in-law, Tommy, is going to be leading worship next weekend. How awesome is that for me? And... Um, and my other son-in-law, Ash, the British dude, is going to be on worship team. We don't even know if he can sing, but he's just got a cool accent, so he's going to be up here too. So I got my family coming in. It's going to be a blast, and, and I really hope that you'll be here for Father's Day. It's really, really fun. Crazy little thing called love. We're trying to help you to react to each other and understand this thing. That's what we're trying to do. Uh, we're so glad that you had Justin and Trisha here last weekend. Didn't they do an awesome job? Really, go online and watch that. Go online and watch that because it was incredible. I watched it online. We got a Parkview app. If you don't have that for your phone, it's really easy to be able to, to watch the services. Go back to two weeks ago where I started this thing on love and respect because it all goes together and it will really, really help you. And in an effort to help a crazy little thing called love, we've decided to come up with some continuing education classes for you to help you understand the opposite sex. So I'll just show you what a few of them are. Here's some continuing education courses we're going to have at Parkview for women taught by men, all right? Like bathroom etiquette, his razor is his. How about telephone skills, how to hang up? Or cooking one, bringing back bacon, eggs, and butter. We need our cholesterol, ladies. How about classic clothing, wearing outfits you already have. You can do it. Are you ready to leave? A definition of the word yes. <laughs> Putting the seat down. Gravity is on your side. Or hockey. It's not just a game. It's a sacrament. Am I right? Let us watch. Oh, I've got to show you this. Sometimes it's football is a sacrament. Am I right? This is Chicago Bears in Hebrew. I got this shirt in Jerusalem. Do you believe that? all the way to Israel. It's a sacrament. Okay, but, uh, you know, to be fair, here's some classes for men taught by women. PMS, when to keep your mouth shut. 
It's a simple calendaring issue, okay? We do not want sleazy under things for Christmas. Give us money. <laughs> Parenting doesn't end with conception, okay? Uh, reasons to give flowers. You ought to be able to figure that out. Garbage, getting it to the curb. Mothers-in-law are people too, Tommy. And my favorite, you can fall asleep without it if you really try. How many of you saw the Mel Gibson movie, What Women Want? How many of you saw that? Okay, he has this electrical thing, you know, happen. He falls in the tub with a blow dryer, and, and, and he becomes this guy who can understand women's thoughts. I think that movie was popular, and guys even would go see it because of two things. Number one, Mel Gibson was still cool back in those days, you know, in a lethal weapon kind of way. And number two, we really hoped that maybe we'd figure something out, you know? Because it's really hard for men to understand women. And here's, here's my question. Why didn't they make a sequel to that movie called What Men Want? Because you all think you know what it is, right? That's why. You, the ladies are like, well, what a boring movie that would be. We know what one thing they want. They want it, right? That's what we just talked about, right? And it's actually true that men can't live without it, and they really only need one thing, but it's not the it that you think. The it, as we started talking about two weeks ago, is respect. It's respect. The Bible tells us that the difference between men and women is really very, very obvious. And it says in Ephesians 5, However, each of you men must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. It's called respect. That's what it's all about. And it's an extremely important truth. A woman's primary need is to be loved. And a man's primary need is not to be loved. It's to be respected. You're commanded to respect. You're commanded to love. But it's made differently, and that's how it works. And it has huge implications. And we've talked around here about this woman named Shanti Feldhan. We actually had her in a few years ago who wrote this book. She was a statistician, and she did this huge survey, and she asked this simple question to men. She said, would you rather be alone and unloved for the rest of your life, or would you rather be disrespected and inadequate for the rest of your life? Which would you choose? And 74% of the men said, I would rather be alone and unloved for the rest of my life than to feel disrespected and inadequate for the rest of my life. And women never can believe that because they can't understand that guys are wired differently and we need respect more than we actually even need love. And I started thinking about it in the Bible. There are examples. For example, some of you ladies are, uh, are, maybe you're here by yourself. Your husband's not a believer. You're trying to figure out, what should I do? Well, there's a passage in Peter where Peter tells the wives what they should do. And he says, you should win them with your respectful behavior. Don't nag them. I mean, you know, tell them I'm, doing, I'm going to Monroe, Louisiana this week for Duck Dynasty. It's going to be awesome next weekend. We're going to show, and I didn't explain it. The reason I'm doing this is because Willie and Alan, who's the oldest brother that's going to be on the, on the show this, this year, and Jep are all going to be in my interview. And Alan and Jep really did the prodigal son thing and walked away from, from their family. And Willie lived on the wild side a little bit because their dad in the show, Phil, was an alcoholic and a lousy dad until he found Christ. And now they're believers and they pray every night. And uh, two of these guys are ordained ministers now. So it's going to be a fascinating conversation, okay? It's going, to, it's going to be the big part of next week. So tell them all that and get them to come for Father's Day. That's going to be good. But don't nag them. You know, don't, don't, don't beat them up. Don't, don't browbeat them. Don't talk down to them because they're not interested in God. Win them by their respectful behavior because they're different. 
There's a, there's a, I remember when I was going through the story, there was one that, that, that dawned on me, and I even pointed it out. It was King David when we were talking the Old Testament, how he was married to this girl named Michael, and, her, and she was the daughter of Saul. And there was this point in, in their life where David was dancing before the Lord, and he, was, he, threw his, you know, he threw his cloak off. He was just dancing. He was getting into dancing before the Lord because he was that artsy kind of guy. And it says that Michael, his wife, despised him in her heart. And I even talked at that moment, if you were here for that sermon, about how that was when the, the, we never hear about Michael ever again. Marriage was over at that moment. Okay? That's why I don't dance, you know, because I'm just afraid. All, all the white guys in here are like, no, I'm not going to do it because I'm afraid I'll get disrespected, okay? It, because to a guy to say, you know, I disrespect you, I'm, dispe- I'm despising you in my heart, is the same as saying to a woman, I don't love you. And you've got to understand that. The basic book for this is Dr. Emerson Egrich, Love and Respect. And that's the name of the book. And he talks about this crazy cycle. What happens is the husband acts without love, and then she reacts without respect, and then he reacts back without love because this is our nature. And a lot of times husbands don't realize they're reacting without love because they're just dumb, and she doesn't understand that she's acting without respect because she doesn't get that he needs respect. And so we start into this crazy cycle, and we go around and around and around and around and around. And I know you ladies are like, man, good grief. I mean, why, why don't you poor little insecure, ego baby, narcissistic boys just grow up and, you know, let's have a conversation. And I'm not going to argue with you because I'm afraid you won't respect me. But the truth is, this is deeper than you think, okay? Let me assure you of something, ladies. This is really important. There is not a man in this world who has ever actually thought they were good enough. And you didn't hear anything from the guys because they know I'm exactly right. You may think you have a cocky, confident husband or boyfriend or whatever, but deep down inside, there's a little boy trying to prove himself inside of every man. I don't care, you know, if you're Patrick Kane. I don't care. I don't care if you're the, you know, Brad Pitt. You're the superstar of the world. I don't care who you are. Deep down inside, you never feel like you're good enough if you're a man. That's why a man would say, I would rather be alone and unloved than disrespected and and to feel inadequate. So what's the problem? The problem is we know about unconditional love. We know that we're supposed to show unconditional love, but we don't get unconditional respect. Nobody believes that. It's like an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron, when you put two words together, we say two words that don't make sense together, like boneless ribs. You know, that doesn't make any sense, right? French deodorant. Sorry, um, if you're French. Uh, congressional ethics, right? I mean, you could just think of my, 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 new, my new favorite is airline food. That's an oxymoron because I've been traveling internationally and that stuff's nasty. It's, it's an oxymoron. That's what we call it. And people think that unconditional respect is an oxymoron, but it's not. What we say is, well, respect has to be earned. I've got to ask you a question. Where do you see that in the Bible? Is that in the Bible? It's not in the Bible, people. Respect has to be earned as something somebody made up. It's just as dumb as, well, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Have you ever heard that? Who made that up? That's not in the Bible. That's like anti-Christianity. Do you ever think about it? I mean, Jesus came, died on the cross because we can't help ourselves. That's like cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible. Your mom made that up. That's ridiculous. That was the council of OCD from the Middle Ages. I don't know what it was. 
but it's not true. And respect has to be earned is not true. It should be the same as love because that's what a man needs. Do you understand that? I mean, think about unconditional love. Unconditional love, two qualifiers. Number one, it is not based on their behavior. And number two, it is not based on your feelings. When you unconditionally love your children, you know they're going to behave bad sometimes, and you know you're not going to feel like loving them because you stayed up late watching the double overtime last night, but you're going to do it anyway because you have unconditional love. Well, listen, unconditional respect is supposed to be a choice. It's supposed to be a commitment. It's the same thing. It's not based on their behavior, and it's not based on how you feel. It's based on the fact that you've decided to follow Jesus and to love or respect this person like Jesus did. Matter of fact, this verse is for all of us, no matter what relationship. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I mean, when you start putting all that together, maybe if you struggle with this respect thing, maybe you'll understand right there that you could get some traction if you would stop trying to base it on them or on you and start basing it on God and what He did for you like he does for us. So I want to give some practical advice. I promised I'd do that. A little bit of marriage seminar in the middle of this series. I wanted to do that. And I will start with the ladies. I want to help you with the respect. Okay, let me give you some ideas. Number one, respect his desire for conquest. Conquest, okay? That's what a guy, that's how a guy is made. Genesis tells us that God put us in the garden and he told us to cultivate and to subdue the earth. That's what we do, okay? We have a desire to work and to achieve. That's why a guy's first question when he meets another guy, past what's your name, is what? What do you do? No women ever do that, do you? You don't ever, what do you do? I mean, you start asking, well, you know, tell me about your Pinterest page, or, you know, what's your Facebook, or, you know, I mean, you know, how many, tell me about your family, right? Because you're about relationships, and we're about what we do. That's the difference. And I think, honestly, I mean, the, this camo thing for next weekend, this, this hunting deal is deep down inside of us. I don't care if you're a city slicker. Watching these rednecks go duck hunting and make duck calls, there's something about Duck Dynasty that appeals to us because they're a normal family and they believe in Jesus and have prayer at the end of their meals and it's really, really awesome. But there's something inside of every guy that, that, that has this feeling that I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to go do something. I'm supposed to hunt and gather. That's how I was designed. Tim Allen said men have two choices. You can either work or you can go to jail, right? That's guys. So appreciate that, ladies. I'm not saying women shouldn't work outside the home. not saying men shouldn't work inside the home. I don't care if you bring home more bacon than he does. You need to respect his desire for conquest and his desire to, to help and to provide and to protect, okay? Number two, respect his desire to analyze and to counsel, okay? I'm going to talk about the other side of this and how we're not supposed to do that, but respect the fact that a guy's hemispheres of his brains are, are not connected like yours are, and he has uh, the ability to counsel and to think and to, and to logically process things in a different way than you do. And if you want to get off the crazy cycle, the easiest thing you could do is say, you know what, honey, I really respect you because you're smart. That's good. Last two services, they laughed their heads off as soon as I said that. <laughs> 
both men and women. I was just kind of waiting for their reaction. I'm not making a joke. I wasn't making a joke. You need to tell him, I appreciate the fact that you finally got us here, even though I really wanted you to ask for directions about 30 times ago. I I really appreciate that you figured out how to do that. I really appreciate, this is why we don't ask for directions. Because we want to do that. Because that's a part of who we are. We want to analyze, we want to provide, we want to do those things. Here's an easy way to remember this. Men derive their worth from what they do, and women derive their worth from who they are. On both sides of that, if you don't remember anything else but that, I think that will really, really help you. And here's the problem even more so. When, when a guy, when a woman does not receive admiration from her spouse, she tends to be more motivated to try to get it. But when a guy does not receive admiration from his spouse, he tends to be less motivated. And, and I know that you don't understand that, ladies, but, it, but if, you, if you want to motivate him, the worst thing you could do is, is talk negatively about it. The best thing you could do is build him up because then it will change. Okay? And, and without being admired, men lose their will. And this is why traditionally, typically, it is much harder on a guy when he loses his job than it is on a woman because it's about what he does. That's who he is. All right? You need to understand that. Number three, respect his side of the relationship. Let me, let me say this carefully. You ladies don't really understand this, but we really do want to be with you. We just don't want so much talking. <laughs> this would be the appropriate place to say amen. Thank you. One counselor described it this way, and I thought it was really, really good. Men like shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder friendship, and women like face-to-face -face friendship. Okay? Right? That makes sense, right? We want, the women want to talk. They want to have this kind of thing. Guys want to do something together. You know, no guy ever calls up another guy and says, I mean, think about a bar. What do you, what do, you do? You don't sit at a table. You go to a bar. You sit around a bar so you can be shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. You go to a game so you can be shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. You go hunting, shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. Golf, shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. And they would not make a golf cart where the guys stood and, you know, sat and looked at each other like this. Because, oh, man, that would be weird, right? Hey, nice swing. Yeah, thanks. I mean, come on. We're... We want shoulder-to-shoulder, shoulder, shoulder, so respect that. That's his side of it, okay? That's how it's supposed to work. That's, that's, that's okay. That's the brotherly love thing. And I found this fascinating passage in Titus where Paul says, I want the older women to urge the younger women to love their husbands. But the word for love, you know there's different Greek words for love, and the word is not Eros love their husbands. You know, it's not the it's sexual side. It's not agape, unconditional love. The word is phileo, where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. I want you to teach the women how to brotherly love their husbands. And, and I would like for you to understand his side of the friendship. Yeah, we'll talk about her side in a second. Okay? Another one, respect his desire for intimacy. All right, I got to do this. Um, it goes back to the it in the very beginning, you know. I mean, physical intimacy is important, and you, you know, every marriage writer is going to tell you that physical intimacy is probably more important to a guy than it is to a girl. But what Shanti Feldhan, this woman, found out by doing her research, what shocked her more than anything else in her findings was how much respect was tied to physical intimacy. That it was much more than a biological thing, that it was an emotional need. It was this insecure thing inside of every guy that needs to be wanted. Okay? That's what it is. 
And human beings are the only creatures that were designed to be physically intimate face-to-face. There is something about that. You want that connection? That is something that a guy, it's very, very important. It's very, very important to him. And it's not the it you think. It's not just about the act. It's about what it means to be wanted. And the Bible even says, Paul says, listen, the days are hard. There's a lot of temptation out there. So do not deprive each other so that Satan will not tempt you. All right, that's an order, so get busy. <laughs> Moving right along. Respect his intentions. Respect his intentions. Don't always assume the worst about your husband. All right? We are dumb. Right? Men are dumb. You ladies were made from a rib. We were made from dirt. Okay? Has anybody ever thought about that? We are clods. That's who we are by nature. So understand that and understand who he is and don't try to attach a negative meaning to every time something goes wrong. Oh, you forgot to put the garbage out. Don't you care about us? Yeah, I care about you. I forgot to take the trash out. Set my iPhone or something for crying out loud. I'm just dumb. It's not a negative emotion, okay? Instead, what you should do is you should practice on focusing on what is good, right? On what is true and honorable and right. And think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So here's your homework, all right? Here's your homework, ladies. It's from the Love and Respect book. It's called The Respect Test. Very, very simple. All you need to do is take a minute... And think of two or three things you respect about your husband. Two or three things, okay? And if it's not like immediately coming to mind, it's okay. Go home and think about it, pray about it. God will give you something, right? <laughs> Make something up if you have to. It doesn't matter. <laughs> think of a couple of things you respect about your husband. And then in a moment when he isn't too busy and he's not too distracted, I want you to say to him, You know, honey, I was thinking about you today, and I just want to tell you that I really respect you because... Fill in the blank. I really respect you because you're smart. I really respect you because you bring home the bacon. I really respect you because of your desire to protect and provide for me. I really respect you because you work really hard to make sure that we have our financial needs met. I, re- I really respect you because you're, you're the person that I've always wanted to be around. You see where I'm going with this? Just pick anything. I really respect you. And then in a moment when he's not really busy with something else, say, I really respect you because. All right? And... And he may ask for clarification, and if he does, be ready for it. You know, don't just make stuff up and and not have a reason. So think about it, and then watch what happens. One woman wrote into the Love and Respect book, and she said, I did this to my husband, and she said, I I just said, you know, honey, I just really respect you. And and they'd been to the seminar, so he knew where it was coming from. And you ladies are going to think, well, I can't do this because he's going to know that P.T. told me to do it. You know what? He's so insecure, he doesn't care. (laughs) He's still going to love it. I promise you. I mean, I I know this is going to happen. So you tell him this and and see what happens. This lady wrote, she said, I did this to my husband. And she said, a couple hours later, I heard pots clanging in the kitchen. And he was making dinner for the first time in our married life. And she said a couple days later, he did the laundry for the first time ever in her married life. All she did was say, I respect you for this one thing. 
Now, I hesitate to tell you that because you're just going to do it so he does the laundry, and I don't want that. But, but I need you to understand how simple-minded men are. All you have to do is help them, and you can jump out of this crazy cycle in a heartbeat. Right? The goal is to break the, the, the cycle. I always tell the same story when I get to this part and I talk about this, about the woman who had a, a husband who decided to go try to get a raise because they needed more money. And he went to his boss to get a raise. And so she knew he was going to do it. And so when he came home that night, she was all prepared with a special dinner. And when he came home, she could see from his demeanor that the boss had given him the raise. And, and so she said, oh, honey, I'm so proud of you. I made a special dinner to celebrate. And he walked in the dining room, and there was a special dinner all laid out, you know, wine and candles and everything. And she handed him a card. And the card said, I am so proud of you. I knew you would get this raise. You, you deserved it. Your boss is so smart to hire you. I respect you, and I'm so proud of you. And she kissed him on the forehead, and she went to turn to go into the kitchen. And when she did, she dropped another card out of her apron and didn't know it. And she went into the kitchen, he picked up the other card, and he opened it, thought, I wonder what's in here. And the other card said, honey, I'm sorry you didn't get a raise. I love you. I'm proud of you. Your boss is an idiot. He should have given you a raise. And I love you, and I respect you. Now, guys don't go, uh, like you girls do. But inside of every man's heart, he just did, I'm telling you. Because that's what I'm talking about. Unconditional respect. For the guys, it's unconditional love. You love her by getting to know her, right? You get to know her. John Eldridge said, a woman doesn't want to be related to. She doesn't want to be solved. She wants to be known. All right, what does that take? That takes an investment of time. It takes an investment of our lives. And the problem for guys is, the, is it goes back to the conquest thing. Right? Because we've already conquested you. And when you shoot the deer, you don't spend any more time with the deer, right? I mean, that's the hunting thing. You understand me? We, so, so our problem and my problem is we forget about that and we move on to whatever is the next thing. But the ladies, they want to be known and that, that is a constant deal. Okay, I'm going to tell you, almost 30 years of marriage for me, my wife is very different than she was 30 years ago, as am I. So it's a constant process of trying to know her. And it's not about feelings, right? It's not about behavior. It's pretty simple. We love by knowing them. The Bible says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And that word for united is about, is about sexually, physically, emotionally, and, and spiritually in every way we get to know her. And that's a constant process. Number two, we love her by accepting her. By accepting her. Good and the bad. You took her for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do you part. That's really, really important. And so you accept her. How do you show her that you accept her? By the little things that you do. By being proud of her in public. By holding her hand. One guy said, I hold my wife's hand everywhere we go. Because if I let go, she shops. But that's a different story. <laughs> We accept her, okay? We, deep down inside, guess what? I told you every man is secure. I, I didn't give you the whole rest of it. Every human being in the world is insecure. Women are too. There's not a woman alive. I'm not, I mean, you know, I've had three daughters. There's not a woman alive that ever wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I'm good enough. Gosh darn it, people like me. I mean, you, <laughs> never happens. Because we know that we're flawed creatures. We know from the fall that we're not the people that God designed us to be. And every woman has stuff about herself that she doesn't like. 
And so we get the opportunity. We can build her up or we can tear her down. You have the opportunity to put her on a pedestal and make her feel like she's the queen of the world. And you have the opportunity very, very easily, usually even with your words and your looks, to put her down and put her in a place where she doesn't feel worth anything. And that's in your hands. And she is the daughter of the king. And you better be careful how you handle that. Three, we love her by communicating. By communicating, okay? Um, There's two things involved in communicating. There's talking and there's listening. Really very simple. She needs you to talk. She needs you to talk, and I know that, ladies, you've got to understand, you say twice as many words in a day as men do. That's the average. So you talk a lot, and we don't want to talk a lot, and we're going to try, guys. That's what we're going to do. Make stuff up if you have to, but talk to her. And here's the deal. You need to be open about your feelings. Now, here's the deal, ladies. He doesn't have very many feelings. But, guys, if you have feelings, every once in a while, share them. Now, here's the beauty. We live in the digital age. I mean, back in the day, a man would go off, you know, work the, work the farm or whatever, and, and maybe he'd come in for lunch and there'd be a little... Commu- but there's no way to communicate back and forth between men and women. But today, we've got our phones, we've got email, we've got all these different ways. And this is something that's really, really important and really, really easy. When you have a thought, when you want to share something in your life, when you think, I mean, I think about my wife all the time, and sometimes I tell her about it, and a lot of times I just move on and I forget. But you have the ability to be able to do that. Share your difficulties, share your day, and do whatever you can to communicate and talk. That's one side of it. And I will tell you that when you're in the crazy cycle, obviously it's bad to yell and scream and and be angry and say angry words. And I think every guy knows that. But somehow guys think that it's okay to not talk and to stonewall and to, to clam up when they're in the crazy cycle. And women interpret that exactly the same as you yelling at them. As a matter of fact, I've had women tell me, I wish he would scream at me. At least I would know what was going on inside. So we talk, we communicate. And the other side of communication is listening. And this is really tricky for us, ladies, because we want to listen so that we can fix. And you want us to listen so that we can understand. Right? You don't want us to fix you. You just want us to validate your feelings. And the Bible says, husbands, you should love, you should live with your wives in an understanding way. So our goal is not to fix. This is not another problem. This is to understand. This goes back to knowing. This goes back to loving. And it doesn't make any sense to a guy. And I found the funniest video that will help you to understand the quandary of listening for understanding. Um, you got to understand that's how God wired her, and that's what we've got to do. We've got to be able to understand her, okay? Uh, let me move on. Love her by making her your priority. Making her your priority. Uh, the, the Bible says in the Old Testament, your wife is your companion, and you made a covenant with her. All right, so she should be your priority. And obviously this is talking about divorce, but I think it's more than that. Husbands, let me be honest with you. The times in my married life when my wife and I aren't doing very good and it's my fault is usually because uh, my battles are over here again. It goes back to that whole thing. I already bagged the game. Now it's about this thing. And, and, and I, I've got to go on to the next thing, right? And I've got this battle over here. And sometimes, a lot of times, I work for God, so my battle's over here. I've got, I got these God battles, and I forget that my wife needs me to battle for her. 
And the times when our marriage is going well is when we're clicking on all cylinders. It's because I pull up the reins on the dumb stuff over here that's taking too much of my time, and I remember that she's got to be a priority. And I make her a priority. And it's pretty simple to be able to do that. And maybe that means coming home on time. Maybe that just means saying no to something else. Maybe that means planning a date night. But you've got to remember that it's not about one big thing, okay? And this is the problem with guys is they think, well, I can you know, just buy her a diamond necklace and I'm good for like six months. Right? And it's not that they don't want a diamond necklace, but that's just not true. That's just not going to happen. It's like there's a point system, and guys think that diamond necklace is 100 points and I don't have to do anything. But the truth is, diamond necklace might be three points, but opening the door for them on a date is another point, and sending her a card is another point, and telling her about your day is like three points, and it's about the points continuing to add up. That's the way that it's got to work, it's to make her a priority. She wants you to honor her and to cherish her. That's what she wants. The Bible says that husbands should show honor to their wives as the weaker vessel. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't know that some of you ladies couldn't kick my butt. That's not the point. The point is that you're fine china. You, you ladies are, are the fine china. And the men are like my, you know, Contigo mug that I can throw around. That's why I have that mug because I don't have to worry about it. That's a guy. Our feelings don't get hurt nearly as easily. My coffee never spills out of here because this thing is awesome, right? And it's indestructible. But that's a guy. You treat other guys that way, but your wife is a piece of fine china, and you need to treat her differently. That's what that scripture means. So what do we need? We need a new cycle. We need an energizing cycle where his love motivates her respect and motivates his love, and it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And that can be energizing, and it's very, very simple to do this. The first thing you need to do is to try to encode what's going on in the relationship. And by that, what I mean is, when you start realizing that his love is not coming your way, ladies, you might try to ask yourself, is it because of something that you're doing in disrespect? And guys, when she's disrespecting you, you might ask yourself, instead of blaming her, you might say, well, maybe it's because I'm not loving her. So here's a very simple thing for you to be able to do. Here's a very simple thing for you to be able to do. For the wives, I want you to do this. The next time you find yourself in the crazy cycle and you're in the middle of an argument and something happens, then you can say, hey, you know what? That felt unloving. And instead of attacking them, bring it back to you and say, did I just come across as disrespectful to you? And if they say yes, then say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? How can I come across more respectively? You may not understand that you did it, but that's what will happen. Guys, what do you do? You say... That felt disrespectful. Did I come across as unloving to you just now? You don't blame her. You put it back on you. Because the truth is, that's probably what's going on. Because you're in the crazy cycle. And behind your wife's disrespectful look or her words or her actions is probably a wounded wife who's in the crazy cycle because you didn't love her. You understand this? We can go from the crazy cycle to the energizing cycle very quickly, very quickly, if we will just take ownership of what's going on and realize what's happening and forgive as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you, okay? Now, here's why this is important to me this week. I have a renewed passion for your marriage. I have a renewed passion for my marriage because of our Holy Land trip. I want to tell you about this Holy Land trip. 
Uh, 55 of us went to Israel. And to borrow from Dickens, I would have to say it was the best of times and the worst of times. We had a great group. We got to do amazing things. I hope that all of you get a chance someday to go to Israel. I didn't go until last year for the first time. It's amazing to go and to be there, to be on the Sea of Galilee in a fishing boat and to be in the place where Jesus walked on water and to be at the place where he calmed the storm and where he he taught the people the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount and where he fed the people with the five loaves and two fish. All those things went on right there at that place. And we were at that place and we were at the the place where the transfiguration happened. We were at the place where, where, where Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. We were at the very spot where Jesus said, you're right, and upon that rock I will build my church. We were on that rock, and we repeated the good confession. And we, you know, the confession we do together as a church, we did it at the place where Peter did it for the very first time. And then we left there, got in a bus, and drove to the Jordan River, and had a mass baptism at the same place. We got baptized in the Jordan, had this incredible experience. But I think to the married people there, probably one of the most special things that we did was we renewed our vows. Um, about 15 couples of us renewed our vows at, at Cana. Cana is the place where Jesus did the first miracle, which was the water into wine, and he did it at a wedding. That's why that was so important. There's a church there, a little chapel where you can renew your vows, where Jesus came to and did his first miracle at a wedding. And ironically, it's not ironic, our guides planned it out this way. We ended up in Cana on Tuesday. Weird, because we didn't really realize this, but Tuesday was the day that people got married in Jerusalem back in that day, back in Jesus' day, because the Jews believed that Tuesday, which was the third day of the week, if you look in your Bibles, it says on the third day of the week, Jesus was at this wedding. The third day of the week in Genesis is the only day that God blesses twice. He says it was good, he does the vegetation, and he does the land, and he says it was good, and then he says it was good again. And so the, the Jews saw Tuesday, I don't know if you, maybe you'll look at Tuesday differently now, as twice blessed day. So Jesus did the miracle on Tuesday, and we were there on Tuesday, and we renewed our vows. The rest of the story is we were able to go to the garden tomb, which is the non-traditional site of the tomb and the, in the place of the cross and see the skull placed there. And it, it could have been, and it, it's the peaceful place, and there's an empty tomb, and we had communion, and we sang Amazing Grace, and, 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 and we had worship there. And, uh, and then the next day, our last day, we went to Jerusalem. We saw the traditional place, Church of the Holy Sepulchre. We, um, we saw the place where the church has always said that Jesus died and we saw the slab that's over the, the slab that they say that Jesus' body was laid on. And we were at the place where the, they said that the early empty tomb was. And we were at all those places. And we'd absolutely seen everything we had come to see. And we were walking down the rest of the way of the cross. And we got down to the edge, down to the wall of the city where we were looking over. And we could see the temple mound. And we could see the wailing wall. And we were right in this unbelievable spot. And one of our members, Tom Mezek, sat down, had a massive heart attack, and died. I mean, they didn't even get a chance to get him in an ambulance. I mean, it was, a, it, it, it was just, he just sat down and the life went out of him. We had an emergency room nurse on our team. They tried CPR. The paramedics came. Um, you know, but Tom Mezek literally went from old Jerusalem to new Jerusalem before our eyes. 
I held his wife. We prayed. We did everything that we could do, but it was not to be. We were in the place where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though you die, yet shall you live. And I went back this week, and I blogged about it on my blog. If you want to see some more of the story and see some of the, of the pictures, we have the funeral service here on Tuesday. Tom was one of the most deeply spiritual men I know. And, um, I mean, there's just no doubt that he was ready to see Jesus. As a matter of fact, when people would say something to him ahead of time about, why are you going to Israel? It's dangerous over there, which it's really not. But when people would say that, he would literally say to them, what better place to die than Jerusalem? So many crazy stories. And I went back and I watched the vow renewal because I thought, you know what? I just, you know, I wonder how it, how it turned out. And it, as it turns out, Tom and Pam are right down in the bottom right of this scene. Becca's just got a video camera up on a, on a bench and she's just videotaping this. And I want you to watch this. I mean, this is a picture of Tom and Pam renewing their vows on twice blessed day. And, and I, just, I, I, want you to, I want you to understand that these two people were like, they've been married for 33 years and they were like a couple of teenagers everywhere they went. And this was a trip of a lifetime for both of them. And they got to the very end of the trip and so many things had to happen for this trip to be when it was. I mean, so many different stories and the way everything worked together. And it got to, right to the very end and, and, it, and it was just like he was just translated right to heaven. And I think if Tom was here today, down here with us, he would say, don't leave anything on the table. Matter of fact, this was his money clip we took out of his pocket. No regrets. And I'm going to tell you something. I just talked to Pam. She was in the 9 o'clock service, his wife. He didn't leave anything on the table. She knew without a shadow of a doubt how much her husband loved her. And I want you to watch this because I want you to stop the stupid, crazy cycle stuff and, and stop the selfishness and stop all this dumb stuff that's going on and thinking about splitting up. And I want you to think about what it would be like to renew your vows on Tuesday and know that that person was going to be gone from you five days later. And maybe we ought to live, maybe we ought to live that way. Let's watch this. Can I have communion now? Um, the reason I'll have no problem doing Tom's funeral on Tuesday is because I know where he's at and I know why he's there and it's not because he was good enough not because he did all the right things it's because he had a savior and he loved his savior and he lived for his savior there was no doubt and the reason I know that Tom and Pam could have a good strong marriage is because they had the power of the Spirit of the Savior inside of them. And I know that that's available for you, so right now as we take communion, I just want you to concentrate on the fact that we're called to love and to respect our spouse in the way that, that Jesus did us. It was not based on behavior. It was not based on feeling. It was based on a choice. And I want you to understand, secondly, that the power to be able to do that comes from above and it's available to us right now and if you don't have that take it now as we pray together we're going to sing this song together and I just want you to stand together and worship and, um, and, and we're going to take a moment just to kind of think about what this is all about
and then let's worship together. Lord God, I just pray that you'll be with us as we commune right now. Show us that you're here. Give us your power to go out into love and to respect and to be who you want. In Jesus' name I pray.